Feeling like you have nowhere to go is a scary, hopeless feeling. It's like you're alone in the world, wandering aimlessly. This was me a couple months back. I had recently moved from Puerto Rico and was in dire need of purpose and direction in my life. Luckily, I stumbled upon an internship at DNR through the LGBT Community Center on 13th Street. Made possible by donations to the center, LGBT youth like me are offered paid internships in a diverse field of occupations throughout New York City. Having said this, any donations made help give more opportunities to LGBT youth and help us feel hopeful about the future. To donate, please go to gaycenter.org slash DNR. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. Okay. I hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I like Absolutely. where you're going with yep. this. For some reason... The word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. <laughs> and he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Hi, welcome to The Ass. My name is Adam Sank. Today is Saturday, October 13th. Leave me your ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen to this goddamn thing. You can email me at adam at adamsank.com. You can email Ryan and JB at their first name at adamsank.com. Like the Facebook page and whatever you do, register to vote and show up to vote on Election Day, November 6th. I am here with the lovely Ryan Frostig. Hi. And the lovely JB. You know, I um, we haven't... We haven't had a, a singing entrance opening like we used to. In what a while. song would you like to sing? I don't know. Well, um, you can't just spring it on me spontaneously. Like I'm just this. saying, <laughs> in the future, I would like to sing a song. We will make that happen. But speaking of the future, Ryan has some sad news for us. <sighs> this will be. <laughs> this will be my last day co-hosting the ass. For the foreseeable future, because Adam doesn't pay me and my job is uh, requiring me to work on Saturdays during the show. I don't pay myself either. Let's be clear. In fact, I, I spend money on this show. <laughs> but, I lose um, money. I, you do. But I, um, I will be back um, in December uh, for a couple shows. Yay! And um, hopefully back in the future. And I... I feel like I'll always be a part of, you know. Oh, don't you be back to the future. Ha 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 ha. ha. <laughs> it's uh, a shitty situation because, uh, you know, I love Ryan both on and off the air. But on the show, he's become, you know, I feel like part of the ass family. Yeah. The listeners love you. I feel like you and I have a nice rapport. Yeah. And I mean, I it, what it really comes down to is that, you know, I work in a hotel and I have been on the overnight shift for the past year. And it really has messed with my, you know life <laughs> and i've been given the opportunity to move off that schedule and but unfortunately it, it uh, prevents me from doing this and so it was it was it was hard for me to come to this decision because you know i love you and mm. i love doing the show but um you know 
we have to make tough choices in life and I will be back. Well, I certainly hope that you do. And I have faith that something's going to happen. Either you're going to get a better schedule or you're going to leave and get a different job. get a different job. I hope none of your managers are listening, (laughs) but you hate your job and you want to leave. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. The bell is so far away. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so this is it for Ryan. But we do have wonderful guest co-hosts filling in for you. None of them, of course, can replace you. You better um, believe it. There will be a co-host here, and also every week. Yes, I, I, you, you never know. I might, you know, I might be the new Charles from Cornhall, and I might. Uh, oh my God! Call in you can call every in show. from the hotel job. Yes. That would be perfect. Um, speaking of Charles from Cornhall, don't call us today. We are not live. This is a pre-recorded show, but um, we do have a fabulous show today. Our guest is someone who I have um, long admired and been very interested in and and whose career I followed. His name is Kevin Sessoms. If you're my age, you'll remember him from the 80s and 90s. He was sort of the quintessential celebrity journalist. Um, He worked with Andy Warhol at Interview Magazine, and then in the 90s, he was Vanity Fair's basically star correspondent. He had cover story after cover story, and he he interviewed everyone, every iconic movie star, artist, TV star, uh, Kevin Sessoms did the interview, and they were really fabulous, revealing interviews. And then in 2007, he wrote a memoir called Mississippi Sissy, which was all about his uh, rather painful and difficult childhood. Um, And then he followed that up with a second memoir called I Left It on the Mountain, which was all about um, his experience and struggle with meth addiction and trying to recover from meth addiction. And he's just such a, a, a brilliant, interesting guy. So I'm looking forward to speaking to him, speaking to him a little later in the show. But first we have some ridiculous stories to talk about. And the first one is near and dear to my heart, near and dear to Ryan's heart, and every other narcissist out there. Because it's this, more than 250 people worldwide die every year from taking selfies. What the fuck? According to a new study from researchers associated with the All India Institute of Medical Sciences, which sounds fake, but it's not, um, 259 selfie-related deaths occurred from October. Oh, it's not every year. 259 overall have happened. Got it. Um, the, the years they studied were October 2011, when selfies really took off, to November 2017. And these were published in the July-August edition of the Journal of Family Medicine and Primary Care. You know, you have these people who want to take a selfie when they're standing on a mountain ridge. Sure. Or when they're, like, in front of a lion. Unfortunately, there are better times than others. Or driving or or standing in the middle of a busy street. You know, I've noticed that uh, you haven't been taking as many selfies. Is it because I shamed you that one time? How did you shame me? I don't even remember. Uh, I just I just said that you were a selfie queen, and and it, it turns out I am also a selfie queen. So I really you yeah, are you, a way bigger selfie. No, you fill up my timeline. That's a recent. That's a recent thing for me. Lies. You you used to be the selfie queen. Well, I think part of it is I've gotten older. Uh, I, I'm not as interested in seeing my own face anymore and body, and I'm also heavier than I should be right now. I'm, I'm like six pounds heavier than I like to be. So when I get back down to my fighting weight, if face, that ever though. happens, I, 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 my face looks fat to me. Uh, I definitely don't want to take any shirtless selfies right now. My, sure. I feel like my titties are saggy. I feel like the gunt is rather pronounced. So, but, but also, I think I got to an age, hopefully, where I just saw how gross it is. It's kind of gross. It is kind of gross, but... Huh. To take endless selfies. It's, it's literally saying... Look at me. 
and tell me how much you like me. That's all you're doing when you, when you take a selfie and post it. But the study calls it a major public health problem. Um, one of the authors says if you're just standing, simply taking it with a celebrity or something, that's not harmful. Unless the celebrity is like Charles Manson. Hmm. But if that selfie, that's not what he said. That was my stupid little joke. But if that selfie is accompanied with risky behavior, then that's what makes the selfie dangerous. Um, more than 85% of the victims were between the ages of 10 and 30. Wow. So you're talking about a lot of children and teens. Millennials. And then idiot millennials like Ryan. Yeah, I feel like if you're, if you're an idiot, if you die to take a selfie, you should not be procreating with the world anyway. So... Um, JB, I think this, my sound, I now have control over certain sound effects on this lovely iPad, but I think they're, the volume's too low. Let's try, let's try this. Now it's not working at all. Oh, okay. What happened? Don't, don't worry about it. Continue. I'll look into it. All right. Oh, technology. Oh my God. Look who just walked into the studio. (gasps) Oh my God. Hi everyone! This hey, is Chris. so unexpected. It's burle- <laughs> it's burlesque star Chris Harder. I was just um, twirling my assholes on the street. I thought, why not? Come <laughs> up. It's in you, Midtown. You were twirling your asshole? <laughs> no, my assholes, not my asshole. Like tassels. If I was twirling my asshole, then I really need to go see the doctor. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. Uh, Chris, you're here uh, because you have something to, to talk. Because I have something to talk about. JB is just randomly hitting me. sound effects now. <laughs> T- tell, Don't mind me, I'm testing things. Do, do a radio selfie. A radio selfie. Well, so everyone, I'm back in New York with my solo show called Porn to be a Star, which is loosely based, like my asshole, off my experiences <laughs> in porn. And um, Ass it's, open to the wind. That's right. Here I am. <laughs> um, and uh, so it's, uh, it's a satire in porn. It's happening October 20th, one night only at The Wild Project. And then, you know, as they say, I'm getting ready to kind of put it to bed and just and move on. But um, I've been touring it for a year, uh, up and down the East Coast, a little bit in Scandinavia, randomly. And, uh, and yeah, now I'm back in New York. When you perform in Scandinavia, it always fascinates me when English-speaking performers go to other countries yeah. and the audiences just speak English. Well, because we're like it? the only country who thinks that we don't need to make an effort to understand Learn. the way anyone else communicates. Yeah. Like, I speak Spanish pretty well, but I couldn't go see your show in Spanish and be able to follow it. Well, the bilingual version of Porn to be a Star uh, will be released. <laughs> really? <laughs> a limited... A limited reception. It'll, it'll be in English and Klingon. Yes, yes, exactly. So, but the show's been going well. I've been having fun touring. Yeah, I have. I it's been um, overall really phenomenal. I was just in New Orleans, uh, which was you know crazy for Southern decadence. And I how was that? It was great. And I mean, you'd think like the last thing um, a bunch of like you know horny gay men would want to see is a, a seventy minute like play, but. Right. But yeah, it, it went really well. It was right at the end when everyone was kind of like hungover, just, you know, more complacent. But they came. Like, let's go to the theater. Let, let's go to the theater. Why not? Let's sit. Did My you get GH. some groupie dick while you were at Southern Decadence? No, you know, no groupie dick. Lots of, um, I, yeah. You know, it's funny. I don't know how it is for you. When I travel, it's like the the dick is the last thing that I get because it's just work, 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 right. you know? You're just you're you're giving off. Well, the, for uh, me it is. I feel like it would be no work for you. I feel like all you have to do is end the show and just walk into the audience, and someone will take and just their, throw take the their dick, dick at out. me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there is. Well, I mean, New Orleans is kind of one of those places where you could like you know just like wake up and get smacked by a dick. But especially um, during Southern Decadence. Yeah, especially during Southern Decadence. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's a few fuzzy moments, so maybe it happens. That'd be a nice alarm clock. 
Yeah, right. Right. All right. Well, Chris, do you want to stay with us uh, while we do the rest of these stupid stories? Yeah. Oh, I'd love we have to. A lot of stupid mm. stories to cover. But uh, once again, remind people how they can, so, what website should they go to, to? So they should go to either harderburlesque.com or the wildprojectnyc.com. It's all over my Instagram and Twitter at harderburlesque. And it's porn to be a star, October 20th. Don't miss it. Porn, moms, eggplants, nudity, everything you ever want. I just hit the applause sound effect. Oh, thank you. There we go. Okay. Thank God. (laughs) So, well, moving on. And by the way, some of these stories are a little moldy. A little moldy. Uh, I tried to get to everything every week, but it doesn't always work. And I did want to touch on this. Um, Ryan, you're a reality show queen. Yes, I am. Do you know, do you ever watch Real Housewives of Potomac? (laughs) I try not to. You're really a New York girl. Yeah. New York. Uh, Atlanta sometimes and Beverly Hills. I, every other and, and OC sometimes, but the other ones are trash. Well, there is a. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're all trash. But <laughs> there's a straight guy on Real Housewives of Potomac named Michael Darby, and he is facing up to 11 years in prison. This is once again a straight guy mm-hmm. for fondling a male cameraman's ass. What? There's something happening with men in the ass. Huh. Oh, TMZ is not, not that hot. Not hot. TMZ because if he were hot, but if he was hot, yeah, if then, he was I mean, hot, totally reduce that sentence. That would make it okay. <laughs> uh, TMZ broke the news that the 59-year-old real estate developer and restaurateur was charged with criminal sexual assault and improper sexual contact for allegedly groping a male cameraman. This happened while filming an episode of the allegedly happened while filming an episode of the hit Bravo reality series on September 1st. I don't know if you could really call Potomac a hit. Right. No. That's being it's a little generous. A the cameraman's, yeah, a cameraman's sure. name is Orville Palmer, and he claims that Darby grabbed his butt and gave it a firm squeeze. Hmm. When Palmer turned around to ask what he was doing, he says Darby gave him a flirtatious look, which I think looked something like this. <laughs> I just did a lot here. I that's a that. look. Yeah, that's a lot. I'm a little bit concerned that one could get 11 years in prison for squeezing someone's butt. I, I'm, I'm against any kind yes, of sexual assault. We're totally right. against but it. that seems a little extreme. However, I'd like to see the butt. Well, I would too. Just, just to know, just to have a better understanding of, you know, what we're working with. Of the, the, the sheer the will that <laughs> would take to like suppress it. <laughs> Here's what's crazy. This is not the first time Darby has been accused of groping another man. Oh. In season one of the show, he was caught grabbing a different guy's butt on a club dance floor. At that time, his wife, Ashley, said she didn't take the butt grab seriously, calling it a joke and saying, quote, my man has sex with me. He loves me and he gives it to me good. Ass open to the wind. Stick it in. Here I am. That's not the one I meant to hit. Uh, quote, whatever he does in joking manners is not a reflection of my man's sexuality. I think it is. Well, sweetie. I think yeah. we need to assess. There's a difference between a joke and a firm ass grab. A firm ass grab. And I hung out with lots of straight guys who know the difference between a joke and a firm ass grab. It's well, listen, you shouldn't grab anyone's ass without who, their consent. Who, 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 yeah, thank you. Or, you know, like I can grab Ryan's ass. Yeah, that's kind of what happens when you come into the studio, isn't it? You get a granola bar, and then you're like, you "All right, a granola grab bar the ass." And ass grab. <laughs> I mean, I did not grab Chris's ass when he walked in. I, I grabbed his cock. 
Right. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, that's okay, right? Well, it was just a you know, it's a typical greeting among <laughs> that's friends. That's how I shake hands. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, the wife, uh, what's her name again? It's not important. Mrs. Darby. Mrs. Darby. Ashley. She took to Instagram to deny the whole story. She says no charges were filed, no arrests were made, no Bravo suspension, and then she promised fans we will keep you posted. Darby himself has remained tight-lipped about the whole thing. Uh, so, yeah, we will have to follow this. But it is a weird story. And it also highlights that in the uh, era in which we are currently living, mm-hmm. um, it's probably a good idea not to touch anyone. Don't, don't touch anyone. <laughs> don't, t- don't even arms. Period. Just don't do it. Don't even touch your boyfriend. Right. Don't even touch yourself. Honestly. You know, there, do not touch yourself. There are times though when you're on the subway where I'm like, oh my god, like I like when it's so packed in the train, you're like, I'm someone's gonna someone's gonna say I grab them. I know it's gonna right. happen. Like I can't <laughs> help that my hand is pressed up against you because there's a hundred people. Well, in that's this one car. of my favorite things on the subway when when you are next to a hot guy and it's really and it's crowded like, and then you suddenly realize that you're both kind of leaning into each other more than is necessary. That's wildly exciting for me. Yeah. My favorite thing that's happened to you guys, right? My, yeah, of course. But no. also. No, no, it doesn't. It's never happened, JB. No, I, I get love the look. It. That, I get the look at the clutch purse. Okay? <laughs> oh. People are like, oh, it's a black guy, clutch purse. My favorite thing is when uh, when I'm getting my hair cut. My our barber is. This is not. He does not fit in this description. But when I was younger, I used to go to this Greek guy who had this big package. And you know, when you're sitting in the chair, yes, and like they kind of get close, and your and your elbow sort of is is there where the package is, and mm-hmm. you know. You can obviously move it away, but I always kind of kept it in place and just. Do you think they know that? I feel like that. I feel like by now, barbers around the world must be wise to the whole like dick on the arm. I think a lot of them know. They get into it. I I think. Yeah, I mean, our current barber, Gabby, doesn't really. I I haven't noticed his dick being pushed into. He is a very confusing one because he is very in touch with gay culture. He's asked me before if I was uh, familiar with um, what's that website? Um, not Rent Boy. Rent Some, Men. Rent Men. Is that, is that There's that? also, I think, Some like Red Hot website. Angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, no, but are you familiar? Because uh, that is something I'd like to um, understand. Yeah, he seems straight to me. But he, I think straight. he's trying to be really down with the gays. Yeah, that's his main clientele. Uh, you heard about Rent Boy? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, uh, why? Meanwhile... A few weeks ago, we did a story about that guy who allegedly uh, tricked hundreds of straight men into letting him give them head because he pretended to be a woman. He would tell them to show up at his house. The door would be unlocked. He would make them blindfold themselves. And he would talk in his voice like this. And then he would come out and blow them while filming them and then post it on this website. Well, it's happened again with a different guy. Allegedly, a London man has tricked four straight men into having sex. Is this the blowjob sound effect? See, si. yes, it is. Turn it up. It sounds a little gruntier than yeah. usual. I can't really hear the sucking. Oh, there we go. Uh, he presented himself as a woman on dating apps. Oh, this is all come from Chris. So, Chris, we thank you for your hard work. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know what? yeah, it's, um, it takes a lot of concentration. Yes. We're always playing Chris Harder's porn clips on this show. Uh, Duarte Xavier who identifies as gay, posted photos of women on dating apps before arranging blindfolded hookups, according to uh, the London Sun. He's 30 years old. He's facing charges of making a person engage in sex without consent. 
Uh, one of Xavier's victims explained that the 30-year-old, quote, sounded feminine on the phone, just like the guy in Florida. The pair met in a park. They, met, they did this in a park oh where they had sex during which the victim was blindfolded. The victim said, quote, I made attempts to touch her, meaning the man, but they were thwarted. I love the way English people speak. I made attempts to touch her, but they were thwarted. Um, He said he asked to stay blindfolded until Xavier left. Then Xavier met up with another man in a flat who'd been talking uh, on uh, an app called Lavu and WhatsApp. The man was told to put a blindfold on. Um, However, the victim pulled off his mask when he met Xavier and hit him in anger. He said, I pulled it down and saw this man with a beard. I felt pissed off and slapped him. Xavier tried to persuade the man to meet him again, but he phoned the police. Uh, the trial is ongoing. As I said, the guy in Florida, Brian Denomostier, admitted he duped 150 men into sex acts, more than half of whom didn't know he was recording and posted them to subscription-based website Straight Boys with a Z. Always the Z to make it sound edgy. <laughs> Boys. Once again, lack of consent. Criminal, not okay. Absolutely not. But aren't you, I mean, look, when you come to someone's house and like, here, put on this blindfold, wouldn't a part of you be like, well, I could put the blindfold on, but shouldn't I just maybe like, take a just peek, peek, see what's going on? Bit? I would say, <clears throat> at the very least, you're probably somebody who's turned on by high risk behavior. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. It doesn't mean you should be a victim. No, absolutely right? not. You, you still have a right to not be tricked or lied to mm-hmm. in any way. But yeah, would I ever show up at a, at a stranger's home, blindfold myself, and then just like let them do what they wanted to me? No, I would never in a million years do that. Ryan looks like he's pondering this. Well, no, I mean, I've, I would never go to a place and blindfold myself. I have gone to a place where the other <laughs> Sorry, person is blindfolded, that. but that's, you know... <clears throat> Yes, but different. that's different. I yeah. mean, I, I'm not really into that either, but at least I know where I am and, and who I'm with and yeah. what they look like. Because right. that's, I mean... I don't like they, to be blindfolded in any situation. When I was I little, I didn't even like playing that <laughs> pinata game or pin the tail on the donkey. I don't, yeah. I don't like not seeing. Yeah. <laughs> what is out. the pinata game technically called? Isn't just like hit the pinata. Hit the pinata. It doesn't have a name. <laughs> the pinata, pinata, pinata dance. <laughs> I liked the candy that would come out, but I did not like being blindfolded with a candy? bat and having to swing at something I couldn't see. The candy was never that great. No, it's always shit candy. Yeah, but when you're a little kid, well, it's it exciting. It was and it was the hubba bubba bubble gub. Like, I remember those candies were so great. Oh, JB had good candy. Especially for the I you know what I it is? I don't like, I mostly just like chocolate. I don't like, like, um. You don't like sucking candy? Yeah. As a gay man, you should like sucking candy. I don't like, I like sucking. <laughs> I like candy. I don't like sucking candy. I'm kind of with you. Mm. Like, I was never such a big fan of the Jolly Ranchers. People yeah, like used to Jolly freak Ranchers, the fuck out about Jolly Ranchers. Gummies. Or so I'm, like, I'm not a gummy person. Or like, um. Sweeties. Is that what they're called? No, sweet tarts. Sweet tarts or, yeah. um. Truth be told, I'm not a candy person, period. As an adult, as a kid, I was. As an adult, I never really want candy other than like a little bit chocolate. of dark chocolate as we nibble on yes. during the ass. Yes. Meanwhile, in New Britain, Connecticut, not far from Ryan's birthplace, mm. two students were caught on camera having sex in a classroom with other students and the teacher in the class. Wow. Like everyone was in on it? <laughs> they were all just kind OG. of watching. Uh, the students are ages 16 and 17, and they were videotaped on a cell phone uh, while having sex in art class. Of course. 
Uh, students said yeah. they looked over and just saw two classmates having sex while sitting at a desk in the back of the room while the teacher was preoccupied. That's one preoccupied teacher. It wasn't not sex. It was art. <laughs> that is a great answer. Okay. That's how I get away with it. Because it happened in art class. It was like we was making beautiful but, art. But principal, it, it wasn't. We weren't doing anything wrong. We were just creating art. That's hilarious. Um, anyway, once the video was posted, students said it spread like wildfire on social media, like Facebook and Snapchat. I'm sure it did. Teachers and the principals and the principal were notified by other students by lunchtime in the cafeteria, and a recorded message was sent to parents in the evening. Um, here's the thing: because both students are minors, whoever took the video and shared them could be charged with distributing child pornography, Whoa. even if that person was a minor him or herself, which they probably were. Right. Don't ever take a photo or a video of someone under 18 having sex, even if you're under 18. And I hope nobody under 18 even listens to this disgusting right. show. But just in case, you don't want to be in possession of any image of someone younger than 18 having sex. Uh, sharing of child pornography is a felony, felony regardless of age, um, said Scott Driscoll of Internet Safety concepts um but yeah kids are just going fucking crazy i i can't imagine here's the thing like as an adult i may have had sex before with other people in the room mm -hmm. but maybe like here, definitely maybe that's happened never here in studio but you know at certain bars and certain parties where that was the norm sure but as a teenager I would have been way too nervous. I don't think I could have even gotten hard in front of other people. These people are basically like teenage porn stars. Yeah, which also makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. As, as well it should. Um, all right, here is a very, very strange story. Did our, is our guest here? JBO, fabulous. Um, okay, Science, this is the weirdest headline, I think, of the millennium. Science, hold on. Sneeze. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, so, Ryan, what art classes did you take in high school? Well, <laughs> I actually went to a performing arts magnet school. Of course. So I was having sex magnet school. at school a lot. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, I mean. Uh, Again? Well, he, I gave him the keys to the bathroom. I forgot to mention that he has the things opening up the door. Okay, here's the story. Scientists claim... Dot, dot, dot. To be continued. So, sorry, Ryan. Sorry. Scientists claim that people who are annoyed by chewing sounds are smarter and more creative than others. Shut the fuck up. Really? Really? Because that's me. And it's not just chewing. If you're annoyed by chewing, slurping, babies crying, and other of these human noises, you may be a genius. <laughs> Researchers oh. found that people that are generally more disturbed by the sounds around them are more intelligent compared to others. And that's why you should not worry that you're more annoyed than other people. I just got chills. Eight. Are sound. you a genius? I mean. You did go to a performing school. You said it, not me. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that may not mean that I'm a genius. I'm annoyed when people that I'm with chew with their mouth open. Oh, yeah. That makes me violent. But the sound of it. I mean, I don't like it. It doesn't make me crazy. This okay. is also like a concentrate. Like I'm hearing it like 
right up in my ears. You know, if it's like a couple feet away, I, I don't think I notice it as much. But like, are you annoyed by chewing? Sense? Well, I was gonna say I'm on the opposite. I'm very self conscious because I've been told that I'm a like a loud chewer. I don't. I never chew with my mouth open, but like I have very good acoustics in my mouth. And I've heard that about. Yeah, you. right. It's just like a big cave. And um, and wait, are you yeah. talking about your mouth? My, well, yes. <laughs> There's actually there's actually a name for this. It's called misophonia, and that's what uh, that's what it's called when you're annoyed by sounds such as chewing. Uh, researchers found that nearly 20% of people suffer from this condition, and that makes them highly attentive to specific noises such as slurping, chewing. Um, they also hear sounds that 80% of people don't even notice, and it makes them irritable. You know when there's like a humming in the room? Yes. They just sound like pains in the asses. Like We're not, okay? I'm annoyed by baby crying. I don't know why. No, like this is, even when my own sisters cry, I I can't stand it. I don't understand why. Oh. And well, here's, thank you for saying that. Now I don't feel so bad. Why I was like, I fucking hate you. Here's the thing. I grew up, uh, my father's a pediatrician, and his office was attached to our house. So I grew up with the sound of babies, not just crying, but screaming at the top of their lungs. And it, it just it became background noise to me. It really doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want a baby next to me in a theater or on the subway. <laughs> but if it's just kind of in the distance, it doesn't bother me at all. You know, when babies cry and people say, oh, you know, they can't help it. They're just babies. That's bullshit. Because I have seen babies <laughs> cry and then suddenly not cry. So I'm on to you, babies. I feel like you're, you're baby shaming right now. Well, maybe I am. Uh, we now have not one but two stories that, Ryan, you have, um, let's see, you have six minutes to do both stories. Oh, goodness. Because they both involve uh, former RuPaul's Drag Race contestants. And so for these, we turn to our RuPaul's Drag Race correspondent, Ryan Frostig. Thank you, Adam. RuPaul's Drag Race season six contestant and resident Aussie, Courtney Act, has admitted entrenched racism dictated her sexual preferences for white guys. Act, Shane Jenick, took to Twitter that she mainly dated and hooked up with white men because of an unconscious bias. She says, growing up in Australia, I was never provided with examples of people of color being sexual, sexually desirable, let alone queer people of color. Act wrote on Twitter. It makes sense that I have socialized racisms when it comes to my sexual preference, which is why I had to consciously unpack those over the years. Uh, Act is one of the most popular Drag Race alumni and finished third on the reality show's sixth season. She is also the host of the new series, The Bylife, and won Celebrity Big Brother UK in 2017. I think it's cool when a white person owns up to their racism. Yes. And their sexual racism. But it is sort of like, who asked you, Courtney? Right. It's cool to own up to it. It's not cool to be like, let me have a PR moment about this right now. (laughs) Don't you feel like it's a little bit... uh... Of course! I get get that, and I I agree, but I think that if that is opening up a conversation for someone else to say, you know what, I have felt this way, I have had these um, prejudices, then like, you know, good for for them. I think it's... I mean, listen, I, I agree with that, and I also think it is brave in the sense that you are opening up yourself to a lot of hate. Oh, yeah. Just by by bringing up any topic of race, when you're a white person, you're going to get slammed for being racist, for being insensitive, for being a bitch, whatever they want, you know. Right. And I'm sure she was. So it is brave. I just feel like to just kind of say out, it of, from, nowhere, out of nowhere, yeah. apropos of nothing, feels a little bit exploitative. Yeah, context. It would be one thing, too, if it was, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like a seems like an interesting, like... <laughs> We were also saying, yeah, we were also (laughs) saying, like, you know, before we went on the air that um, 
Courtney is has become sort of the woke queen of RuPaul's Drag Race. I feel like, and which is not a, a bad thing. It's just that I feel like she's always the one that's trying to like make a statement. And sometimes, you know, because she was the one that um, uh, made that video about, um, you know, what, what was it? it was, it was about um, she thought she had HIV Chlamydia. or she, she had she had she went on um, Pep. Remember that video? I no, no, I don't follow this. Okay, well, I don't follow nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. Quickly tell us about yes. the second story with Adore Delano. Okay, because that so, one's more fun. Yes, Adore Delano reveals the most uncomfortable guest on Drag Race, and that is Raven Simone. Simone. She says it's Simone, and on Drag Race, she RuPaul specifically says Simone because that's what she that's wants to be called now. Uh. Adore says, I regret 80% of what comes out of my mouth at times, usually followed by a cringe shoulder gig, but one thing still remains true, she tweeted. Raven Simone was single-handedly the most uncomfortable celeb to even stand 20 feet from. Shade. Adore added, she's a first-class asshole. There, I said it. The season six finalist made a comeback on the show's second edition of All Stars and was judged by the former That's a Raven star in a tense exchange on the main stage. After receiving negative critiques from Raven uh, and Judge Michelle Visage, Adore called it quits the following episode and became the first ever contestant to voluntarily walk off the series. This and that was a huge moment on Drag Race because Adore was a, was in the, the top three um, with Courtney Act and uh, Bianca Del Rio on season six. So uh, when she came back for All Stars, you know she was definitely a front runner, and a lot of the, the other queens were definitely threatened and intimidated by her presence being there because she was a fan favorite and you know but she um she really did not like uh raven simonier and she was i refuse to say raven simonier it's like ingrained, offensive to me it's i know i i grew you up can't but, just change the pronunciation of your name after 30 years of being a listen, famous person paul said it now i feel like i i, I think paul was joking but in any case ryan um thank you for those RuPaul Pride Race updates. Um, Katie, if you hit the Pride music, we can do a very quick Pride update before we talk to our guest. Uh, because Pride continues. Yes, we are well into fall. But today and tomorrow, it is the 48th annual Gay Pride Festival in Hotlanta. I'm working on the music. That's, That's all right, what honey. I'll, I'll do I, I got it. And there, <laughs> do the music, Ryan. And their uh, featured performer is Ada Ada. Ada Vox? Yes, from American Idol. She was that drag queen that uh, did very well on American Idol. Um, Also, Orlando Pride happens tomorrow and goes all week. And Las Vegas Pride, which has got to be wild, happens October 19th, 20th, and 21st. This has been your musicless Pride update for this week. We wish everyone a happy... The music does not sound like that at all. We wish everyone a happy and safe Pride. Okay. Finally, it is time for our guest segment, and uh, our guest is someone I've been trying to get on the show for many months. I'm thrilled to be looking at him right now. He made a name for himself as America's premier celebrity journalist at such legendary publications as Interview and Vanity Fair. He's also the author of two best-selling memoirs, Mississippi Sissy and I Left It on the Mountain, and he's currently the editor of SesamsMagazine.com. Please give a warm-ass welcome to Kevin Sesams. Uh, that's Kevin Sesums A. Sesums A. <laughs> Sesums. Sesum Yay. Yeah. Kevin, welcome. Man, that applause goes on forever. Um, 
it is daunting for all right you got to stop the applause kid i'm losing my mind <laughs> it's daunting for me to interview you because i feel like you're one of the greatest interviewers of our time and i feel like the whole time i'm interviewing you you're just judging me and thinking like these no, are I, shitty I'm questions not, i'm not judgmental if i uh if i did have a driver's license and i had a car and i had a, a bumper sticker the bumper sticker would say uh never judgmental always discerning so discerning well yeah. that's just a nicer way of saying judgmental no isn't it's it? not no, <laughs> no it's a little different <laughs> get your face right in that mic i, okay, I, I turned to the ac on because it was all a little right. warm in here right. um kevin i i you've been so open about your journey mm -hmm. and your struggles um sort of over the past decade so i guess my first question for you is like how are you how you doing <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question right now um okay i mean i'm having a uh, you know, I'm having financial difficulties. I think a lot of people have them and don't talk and don't talk about them. Yes, uh, I, you know, we talk about sex and we talk about politics and we talk about a lot of things in our life. And I think uh, the biggest shame we have is uh, when we're broke and we don't talk about it. So you ask how I'm doing right now. I'm like, hmm, I walked up here thinking, well, how am I going to pay the rent next next month? But that's how I'm doing. So you you say I'm open. There there it is. Um, and I think that that's incredible. I mean, I think it's one more closet that people need to come out of right. because you know now finally people are talking about surviving sexual assault. Right. People right. talk about having HIV, about right. addiction right. and recovery. Right. But you're right. Very rarely does someone say like. I'm broke. I need money. And and when that does happen, when you have someone creating a GoFundMe page for themselves, at least right. in the comedy right. community, right. people get mocked for it. Right. You know, once once that was done for me when I when a dog that ultimately died that I had um, was sick and I didn't have I posted on Facebook. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this surgery if he has cancer. And, and I'm so upset. And and then a friend of mine put up a GoFundMe page for it. And I was so full of shame and shocked and it was not it, it was the last thing in my mind that that would be what happened and i'm in recovery and i called my sponsor and i said i don't want this up it's freaking me out i want it taken down this is not what i wanted and i'm deeply embarrassed and ashamed by this and he said did you put that up and i said no and he said someone else put that up for you right i said yes and he said sometimes you have to let people be nice yeah and sometimes that's the hardest thing to to do is to allow people to be nice in your life and to be kind. I mean, the, the older I get, I'm, I'm 62 now, and the most important thing I think in life is kindness. And, uh, I, you know, I'm very political on my Facebook page and I rant and rave about, you know, this oligarchical, theocratic, fascist regime that we have now, especially what we've just gone through and the ugliness and the indecency of it all. Uh, and I do say that we are the decent ma majority in the in the country, and I do think we can't normalize uh, people in our lives who are friends of ours and even fa family members. We can't give them a pass about about all all this stuff. We by giving them a pass if they support Trump, we're giving Trump a pass and all this ugliness. But I will continue to be kind to people, and I will be kind to Trump supporters. As long as they don't know they're Trump's, no, uh, but you know, in random acts of kindness, that will I will come in contact with that. I don't need them in in the sphere of my life to normalize them because by not normalizing them, that's being kind to myself. Sure. Uh, so there is a bit. That's 
not being judgmental, that's being discerning. <laughs> so, I just want to say, for anyone listening, I'm fine accepting money from strangers. <laughs> anyone wants to send me or start Dear a GoFundMe page for me. Your Venmo account is... I don't have an Amazon wish list, but I should. Well, uh, back when I was doing drugs, I did get, give money to strangers. So there was that. But you were uh, getting drugs in return, right? Well, not drugs. Drugs and sex. Yeah. How is that going? I mean, how's your recovery it's, going? You know, it's a day at a time. It's, you know, it's, um, it's, that's an interesting aspect also but I'll, I was in a, in a meeting this this morning but I'll keep that in the in the meeting rooms because sure. um, I'm very open on Facebook I'm very open in my books I'm very open on, on sesamusmagazine.com but I do have boundaries I mean people say <laughs> hard as say, it is to believe I know they say you're so fucking I can't, can't yes you can say anything. you're so fucking open and like how you know, and I you know, like the stuff I don't put up <laughs> you would be amazed by um so, I, was, I do have boundaries. I was re-watching uh, an old episode of Girls the, the mm-hmm. other night, and one of the characters says to Hannah, like, TMI Hannah, and, and Lena Dunham says, like, that's such an outdated concept. Like, we're mm-hmm. in the information right. age. Mm-hmm. There's no such mm-hmm. thing as TMI. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you have your own boundaries. Mm-hmm. We all have our own right. boundaries. But when we uh, reveal these painful mm-hmm. things about mm-hmm. ourselves, as you've done in two memoirs, mm-hmm. I think it's, I mean, is it? cathartic for you it's got well, you be. know i mean i was talking about this t- to a friend of mine the other day about you know the people we've you know i'm as i said i'm 62 and i'm of a generation that came of up through the aids plays and stuff and, and we were you know doing stuff on our phones and emailing and i said do you realize that the people who died that we know just a few years ago they would come back now and go what are you doing? Were you taking a picture with your phone? Your e- what email? What? They would not know this world that we're in now. Right. It would be completely alien to them. And when people say we share too much and social media has taken over our world, think, think about – I don't have a lot of documented memories of the friends I lost. I don't have that that I have now. I have a whole document of my life now that I don't have as a child, yes. as, as a teenager, as during all those years when pe- people were dying. I have no document of it. And if nothing else, we have a document of our lives now that I wish I had back back then. So I know there are awful, awful things about social media and it, and it, there's Arizat's world. And I mean, it sort of vomited up Trump in some in some way, that whole reality world a fake, you know, thing, but uh, there, are, there are also some good things about it. And, and even this past week when we were all in a community, because I do think we are the decent majority, I mean, make America decent again. Yes. Uh, that we were, all, we were all on social media talking about this and reaching out to each other, knowing we weren't alone. And, and a lot of us, I mean, I, I um, facetiously said I was suffering from PTSD, post-traumatic sissy disorder, <laughs> but uh, I was really feeling like that small child in Mississippi. When I, was I was wondering when about I was that. a little sissy in 1963, and looking around me in Freedom Summer, my, you know, my both my parents died in 63 and 64, you know, con- consecutive deaths, and I was this little eight-year-old eating up with grief and not knowing how to process that, and so I looked outward. And all that passion and ugliness and racism and yet brave civil rights workers. And I knew in my otherness before I knew I was gay that I was 
on the civil rights worker side. I was on the side of the other. And yet I was being raised by all these, you know, good-hearted racists. It's a weird thing to say, but they were good-hearted racists. And the, the N-word was spouted. And they hated civil rights workers. And, uh, and I was frightened. I was frightened of the virulence and the anger and the ugliness that was all around me. And I feel that again now. The, the political progeny of those people now have agency. And they're giving agency to the political progeny of those people. I mean, now it's Mississippi 1964 writ large. Yeah. So I feel that. And then well, you, have also, a, you have a white supremacist in the White House. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, talking about you know, the victimization of white young men. I mean, you, <laughs> this is not even dog whistle stuff anymore. This is just blatant. But a lot of, I mean, I was feeling that personally, but so many of us who were sexually either molested or assaulted we were having a lot of stuff was coming up for us i wrote about it in my first book i was molested by a by minister minister where i gave my life to christ when he where he was preaching i was 13 and uh i couldn't tell you the house where he did it i could not take you back to it i i I know the town where it was. I know the hotel room where the first time it happened. I don't know the hotel number. There was no one in the room with Right, if you had me. to testify in front of the there's judiciary no, committee. Yeah, there's you, no, that is the nature of the hideous beast yes. of sexual assault and molestation. There's seldom another person in the room. And when that woman says she, when that, that woman, when Dr. Bl Blasey Ford said, I know 100% it was it was Brett Kavanaugh who was on top of me. You know who assaults you. You know who molests you. There is no doubt. That is proof. That person was in the room. Yes. That is proof. He was in a fucking alcoholic blackout. I'm in recovery. And that was a lot of stuff that was also going on this, this week. Of Those of us in recovery were talking about it amongst ourselves of recognizing ourselves and trying to separate all that out of of not agreeing with the politics but trying to have empathy for someone who seemed to need help well and mm. i imagine it's all the the more difficult to stay sober when you're being triggered by these horrible memories evoked by by what by what happened to right. dr ford and by the fact that he's still going to be confirmed after all of this he's right. still going to be confirmed i mean it's like this is it's, it's like this and is don't even get me started on collins Oof. yesterday yeah. that gaslighting con that she was up to like describing some whole everything she said about what he would do and not do on the court was complete opposite of why he was being put of on course. the court of course it was just it total was gaslighting. gaslighting 101 and then saying i believe all you women and me too and standing with them and then saying but i don't believe her i mean it's just total gaslighting these people gaslight it's amazing to, to me that people fall for it but anyway i'm on my soapbox no i appreciate <laughs> it and i and i will say kevin's facebook page is is uh, is very filled with this sort of political passion i think you're the only person who posts about trump more than i do well you know i was walking up here to this show and i thought should i just get off facebook i really was thinking i think about, about that all the time I, too. I, you know i was like should i just get off i mean and f focus on more productive things in my life but yet then i think back about all my act up friends and if there was a facebook act up would have been on facebook sure i mean it is a way to have your voice heard in the, and for people not to feel like they're alone i mean i don't think it takes a place of activism um or going out on the street and getting and standing in elevator 
doors and speaking truth to power, but uh, I know what my talents are. I can put a sentence together and I can think one thought to the next thought. And and and, and I've always been a political um, junkie uh, since I was that eight-year-old who saw that passion of politics all, it, all around me. It's yeah. ironic that you made a name for yourself in celebrity journalism, mm-hmm. which is sort of the opposite of politics, right. you know, and, and, and who knew that right. during that whole time mm-hmm. you were such a political person. I want to ask you um, about something we were talking about a little earlier in terms of your economic struggles and, mm-hmm. and your struggles with meth addiction. In, in your memoir, I Left It on the Mountain, um, it's really searing, powerful. I've, I've read both your books, and, and they're both very important to me. But in I Left It on the Mountain, you, you talk about being homeless, about struggling mm-hmm. with homelessness, not knowing where you're going to mm-hmm. sleep on a given night, and not knowing where you're going to put your dogs. Mm-hmm. People associated you with the height of glamour and fame, and you were palling around with Madonna and Diane von Furstenberg through your launch party for your first memoir. Do any of these people, after that book comes out, reach out to you and say like, hey, come live with me, or here's you know a million dollars? Or does, do you hear from those celebrity yeah, friends? One or, one or two people did. Um, I'll keep that uh, you know, behind the boundary. Um, um, I didn't write that book to, to, for that to happen. No, of course not. Um, so uh, a friend of mine just, just yesterday when I was sitting on a bench downtown and um, unexpectedly tearing up, uh, uh, he said, you never ask for help. You just never ask for help. And I don't. I just don't. I've always been that little kid who you know, was, an, was an orphan boy who uh, dealt with the deaths of my parents by just going in my bedroom and shutting the door and thinking, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll survive this. And you know, my life has been a, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Uh, it's been a narrative, that's for sure. Uh, uh, and somehow there have been junctures and crucibles in which I have to find the grace. And, um, you know, this is, I think I'm in another one in this very moment when I'm I'm sitting here at this table this weekend. Um, But there's a fine line you have to walk of being, you know, willful and purposeful. It's anyone in recovery knows. And... uh, uh, Oh, he's uh, giving me the the high (laughs) sign. Yeah. And he was uh, was saying praise Jesus. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to move forward and keep trying to find the way forward, but you have to also the incongruity of finding the stillness to allow the grace to find you. You know, if if you're too busy being moving and trying to find how to navigate something, then you're a moving target and grace can't find you. You just have to sort of find the stillness. Well, that's hard. That's a hard balance. It's hard. I think regardless of where you are in any given moment, I think that you have saved lives well, bless your heart. with Thank the books that you wrote that was a sincere bless your heart because when i'm speaking southern that means fuck you i didn't mean <laughs> fuck you i meant truly bless your heart but i mean it and i think you know so few celebrities quote unquote uh are open about their struggles with addiction and especially meth addiction around which there's such a stigma but you know i know dozens of meth addicts just yeah. being gay in New York City, yeah. I know yeah. dozens of yeah. them. Yeah. And I think that we don't talk about it. Yeah. 
the way that we now talk about HIV. We mm-hmm. we didn't once upon a time, but now yeah. it's like I'm pause. I'm yeah, fine with it. Let's right, you know, yeah. let's all talk about it on the radio. Mm-hmm. That but now meth is the closet, and meth is the silent killer. Right. I feel like right. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess, and it's still going on out there. I mean, I'm not participating in it, but I sense, you know, with my antenna that it's still going on. But, you know, I was with a friend, at Joe Allen, who was kindly buying me a hamburger because it wasn't in my budget this, <laughs> this trip. And um, and I loved that. And uh, and he turned to me, and I was, I was, I was op- opening up to him about, about some of this stuff. And he said... Why are people addicts? I've never understood it. What well, What do you get from? I mean, why do people do that? Why are people addicts? And I said, you know, do you ever ask someone, you know, why Why do you have cancer? Right. Why? <laughs> I mean, do you ever ask anyone that? I mean, it's just you know, I have an allergy to it. It's a, uh, you know, uh, it's um, some for some reason it was. Uh, I had to go through some spiritual crucible to. Um, Find myself at this desk to talk about this. So, right. Because okay. most people, most adults have tried alcohol and or drugs at right. some point in their life. Mm-hmm. Not everyone gets addicted. Right. If you get addicted, it's because mm-hmm. you have that gene, right. because you, you have that disease. Right. Mm-hmm. People don't understand that. All right. We are going to lighten things up I was going to say, this is very new age. Yeah. No, listen. I love talking <laughs> to you about this stuff. And it's, it's a big part of your work. Right. But um, we're going to play a little game now that we play with all of our guests. It's called Ask Me No Questions. <laughs> I'll tell you no lies. And it <laughs> exactly. Okay. Who's the bitchiest celebrity you ever interviewed? Oh my god! Uh, I don't like talking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> the bitchiest celebrity I ever. Kevin Spacey. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Obviously, pre any of, of his handles. Yeah, we really went round and round on coming out, and he got all in high dudgy and about it. And was an old, was an old fashioned gay guy who, at that point in his life, only equated it with a sex act and he kept thinking I was ta- I was talking about his sex life and I kept saying I'm not talking about your damn sex life I'm asking you wh- who who you are in your kitchen and who you are sitting here at this table with me I'm asking you about identity I'm not right. my, your sex life is none of my business I have a, a gay friend at the New York Times and whenever he would interview Ed Koch mm. Uh, you know, long after yeah, he was mayor, he would say, are you gay? He would yeah. always ask him that and Ed Koch would answer by saying, when was the last time you sucked your boyfriend's cock? And my friend said, I'm not asking exactly. you about your sex That's life. That's that old school. It's, it, it's what the right wing do, does to us. They equate our, our identity with, with being sex a sexual sex. creature. Mm-hmm. Mm. Who's more fun to spend the day with, Cher or Madonna? Madonna. Oh, that you answered wow. quickly. <laughs> Why? Because uh, Cher was the, sex, the second bitchiest person I ever Wow. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> now we have to hear a little bit about why Cher was difficult. Oh, God. Um, I liked her in the mo. I mean, I liked her fine. Uh, but then she really went on the attack against me once this story came out. She wasn't happy with it. She was not happy with the story. I wrote about, pro- you know, Tina was then the editor, Tina Brown of, of Vanity Fair, and she loved process, and she loved, you know, contract stuff and process and money, and, and she made me put a lot of that stuff into the lead paragraphs of it she hated that i talked about uh chastity when ch- when chastity was, before she was chas right, before he was chas yeah uh, <clears throat> um but that's a 
off 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 the mic, I'll tell you a lot more stuff. Please, I want to hear all of it. You played Peter Cipriani in the Tales of the City miniseries on Showtime. Uh, do you have you ever had any desire to act again? Yeah, I think I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, huh. I mean, I I at the time I didn't even know that you were Kevin Sussman's journalist. I, I, I went just, to the Juilliard School of Drama. Did you really? Really? Yeah, yeah when I was 19. Wow. I moved up here in 1975. I drove a rider truck. I want to see you do more TV. I was the kid in Equus with <gasps> Tony Perkins. Wow. How was that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was very interesting. His, Did he make a pass at you? No, he was married to Barry. Both his little sons were, he would talk about his little sons a lot. But he would come into my dressing room and ask me like what I'd done the night before. And then I realized if I made up stories about some sex thing, his performance was better that night on stage. It would, there was something sort of added to it, I think he, he was titillated. But he was a very nice man, and his son Elvis Perkins lives in Hudson, New York, where I live, and I see Elvis a lot. And he's a dear, dear, dear person. Oh, that's nice. Um, so, did you? Where was the production of Equus? It was a national tour um, all over the country. And why? Why did you stop acting? Um, I wanted to be out hmm. at that point, and that was in the seven, like the late seventies, and I didn't want to. Uh, uh, live a lie to enable myself to pretend, which was a double whammy. Yeah, and I was going bald, and I didn't want to be a character actor. I wanted to be like you know the leading like the leading guy, and then but now that I'm bald and 62, it's like I, I like those parts because that's the part I now am in real life. Yeah, but, you know. exactly. Well, I'd like to see you in more. Um, who is the one celebrity? that you would have most liked to interview that you never got an opportunity to? Is there anyone? Does anyone exist? Who do I want? Um, I sort of know her, so I sort of... It's not like meeting her to talk to her, but I'd never done a story on her, and that was Oprah, and that is o Oprah, but I have lots of stories about her, but I've just never written a story about her, and I think I could do a really good story on her. What about Diana? Diana, Princess of Wales. Oh, see, you said Diana, and I thought of Ross. Yeah, <laughs> or dis or Diana Ross. You know, I, I think I would prefer to do Diana Ross more than uh, Princess Diana. I think she would be much more interesting. You weren't particularly interested in. in and I, I like the image, but royalty doesn't really interest me that much. Doesn't do it for you. No. Do you feel like celebrity journalism has kind of been killed by social media? It's like now, why why do we have to read an interview well, with Madonna? Yeah, we can uh, just see Madonna on her Instagram. Well, my 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 uh, line about it is, you know, I used to spend you know a week with these people. I used to spend a lot of time, you know, and write five thousand words on them. It was a different different time, and now you're lucky to get an hour between a Botox injection and a bowel movement. I mean, that's that's the nature of it. Now. Yeah. So, well, you um, can read Kevin's uh, current interviews in sesamsmagazine.com. It's only $20 a year. It's cheap as fuck. It's cheap as fuck. And, it's, and next month, there's a lot of good stuff on there. In fact, Kevin Spacey, you can hear him in the interview. I have the tape. I'm putting it up. You can hear him <laughs> talking about all this gay stuff. And I have Ellen 
talking for on the record for the first time when she was sexually assaulted by her stepfather. It was the first time she ever talked. Jesus. She ever talked talked about it. And Mary Tyler Moore coming out of the closet as a Republican and a Fox News junkie and from the grave. She's coming well, out. Of well, the it was, these are all old tapes, but I was that was one of the most shocking things I ever found out from anyone yeah. that Mary Tyler Moore, whom I worship, was a right wing Republican Fox News watcher. Well, you can hear all of this and read all of this at sesamsmagazine.com. Kevin, thank you so much for thank coming you. in and yeah, talking to you. us. Um, Ryan, we will miss you terribly. I miss you. This is his last show for oh, my last like, show for a oh, little wow. bit. Come back to oh, us wow. soon. Thanks um, for having me. Thank you for everything, and thank you, JB and Chris Harder. Make sure you see his show as well. That's right. Website October twentieth. Born to be a star. Next Saturday at 11 a.m., our guest co-host will be Tarek Daniels. Don't forget to follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram. Love you guys. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.